Welcome to Bodcast, the business of dentistry podcast, brought to you by Practice Plan. Bodcast delivers the best business advice, real life stories, and practical hints and tips to make your practice a more profitable and sustainable business. And now, here's your host. Hi, and welcome to our latest podcast. My name is Les Jones. I'm creative director at Practice Plan, and I'm here at the dentistry show. 2023 my good friend Chris Barrow how are you doing Chris I'm very well indeed Les a very good morning uh it's already been a good morning you've already been strutting your stuff haven't you <laughs> uh, we've had a super panel uh talking about the so-called cost of living crisis and it's been a great opportunity to have a, a good old natter with the audience about what's going on out there absolutely well we're not going to talk about the cost of living crisis in this podcast we are going to talk about the uh the situation with recruitment and retention, um, and uh, having listened to your kind of uh, your last session uh, at the dentistry, I'm, I'm reluctant to call it a crisis. <laughs> <laughs> perhaps you could kind of uh, expand on why I might be reluctant to call it a crisis. Well, I, I, I'm sick of crisis. <laughs> uh, the fact of the matter is, I mean, I, I have to say that I don't very often access what we would call the news media. Uh, because I, I, I can't really see the point of trying to depress myself. Um, but do you know what? Every now and then I am accidentally dragged into a room where Sky News is on uh, or I'm driving down the motorway and instead of listening to the Practice Plan podcast, uh, I'm probably putting the news on. And it's crisis, crisis, crisis. We have a weather crisis. We have a cost of living crisis. We have a recruitment crisis. We've got an NHS access crisis. And I think that the C word is overdone. And the relevance of that, of course, is that your team and your patients are being indoctrinated with the same C word, in fact, bombarded. And if you as the owner of the practice or if you as a manager within a practice actually subscribe to that narrative, then you are reinforcing it. So I'm trying to, to create a kind of an anti-crisis society uh, or movement to say, listen, yes, of course there are problems out there, um, but we don't have to give every problem a label called a crisis. You know, now, nowadays, if we have a thunderstorm, they give it a name. And uh, whereas in my day, it just rained and then it stopped raining and we all went out again. Um, so the thing about these crises is that I think that they're over-egged. And of course, the other issue is that, in fact, can I replace the C word with another C word? And the word is cycle. We're going through a recruitment and retention cycle at the moment. Everything is cyclical, including the weather. And therefore, we have to be mindful of the way that we deal with this cycle of the recruitment and retention crisis. Okay. <laughs> did, you, so, did you hear what I just said? Uh, yes, you did. <laughs> so, uh, so I will refer to it as a cycle, Thank or you. I will refer to it as kind of issues with uh, recruitment and, and retention, of which there are, you know, undoubtedly, you know, yep. uh, things that, that practices are struggling with. Where do you think that situation has arisen from? Oh, um, how did the current cycle on recruitment and retention begin? It began as a result of uh, two things. Uh, the first thing it, it, uh, that started it was Brexit. 
because one of the knock-on effects of the Brexit vote is that a lot of overseas uh, original workers were in the British healthcare system, including dentistry, and as a result of Brexit, uh, decided uh, to either go to other jurisdictions or return to their own. And I believe that even at this stage, we are beginning to see the impact of Brexit, particularly in the dental landscape, and particularly, of course, with regard to clinical recruitment. And then secondarily, of course, COVID and the knock-on effect of COVID. And in fact, one of the knock-on effects of COVID has been that people have become very much more mindful of the quality of their life and work-life balance, that much overused term, which I've never quite understood. Uh, I, also, I always thought that the opposite of life was death, uh, <laughs> not work. Uh, I actually enjoy my work. Uh, but nonetheless, there's a lot of people out there in dentistry and in other sectors that don't necessarily want to work a five-day week anymore, want to work fewer days. That has an impact. And so you add all that together, and what we've had is a cycle where there are more jobs than there are people applying for those jobs. I'm going to give you one third factor and the factor is that we're going through a cost of living cycle <laughs> and that during that cost of living cycle, some of the traditional rates of pay for jobs within dentistry have been caught with their pants down and underpaid people in dentistry who have been underpaid, frankly, for decades in this current cost of living cycle are suddenly realising that they can't make ends meet anymore and they are therefore either banging on the door and asking for a pay rise just like everybody else. That's why we have an industrial relations crisis on the news. It's a cycle. Um, uh, and so lots of people need a pay rise because they were traditionally historically underpaid and their cost of living has gone up. And so there's factor number three, Brexit, COVID and an increase in the cost of living. I would, I would venture to add a, a, an extra one into the COVID thing as well, which is linked to, 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 to pay also. But, you know, the situation where a lot of uh, dental nurses who were suffering with wearing PPE and working in all those kind of uh, conditions recognized that they could actually get a, 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 a similar, if not better, hourly rate uh, in much better conditions Indeed. outside and of dentistry. There is hardly a staff room in dentistry that has not heard the phrase, I could get paid the same doing this stacking shelves in Liddles. Mm. And whenever I use that line in a workshop, I get nods of approval from the audience saying, yes, that's conversation that's gone on. So you're absolutely right to raise that factor. Yeah. So if we're in this cycle, in, that's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. If we're in this cycle, then presumably at some point the wheel will turn and things will start to get better. From your perspective, what, what is it that the practices can do to actually start to uh, A, retain their best people and B, start to attract some good people into their practice? Great question. Uh, so let, let's look at the factors. The, the first observation I'm going to make, it is my belief that we are exiting 
this cycle as we make this recording. Mm -hmm. uh, so in, in some respects, we might be about three to six months too late for this particular podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, but then the good news is um, I am beginning across my own client base for the first time in a year, I am beginning to have clients saying to me that we have put the feelers out for new team members or new clinicians, and that we are just beginning uh, to get some attractive CVs that are appearing. So the narrative three months ago, six months ago, is that we're doing recruitment advertising, but quote, nobody is replying to our adverts, close quote. I believe that that is now beginning to change and I believe that people are now looking for work. So that's observation number one. Observation number two, how do you create a place, an environment, a position that's worth working within? Um, and I think there are two aspects to this. Uh, I, I think the first of them obviously is pay itself and then the second one is environment. So let's very, very quickly talk about pay. In the last year, across my client base, wages for PAYE staff have increased by between 30 to 40% over the last year. Now, obviously, the overwhelming majority of our clients are in independent private practice. I feel a deep sense of sympathy for anybody that's running a practice which is primarily NHS. How the hell? Do you fund those pay rises? Frankly, I just don't know. Um, uh, but that's a different issue from this conversation. But let's get back to that independent private sector. Wages are up. And if you are going to attract the right people, you can no longer subscribe to a 50-year-old mantra, which is that we pay as little as we possibly can in order to get receptionists, nurses and others to work in the practice. We've now got to change that narrative and we've got to say that instead of trying to get past on minimum wage, we've got to pay competitively to get people to want to stay in the sector and we've got to pay competitively to get people to apply to our place. But it's not all about the money. Um, at this point, I would probably defer to my good friend Mark Topley uh, and his Great Boss Academy and talk about the characteristics of a great boss. Um, and I'm not going to steal any of Mark's light uh, by just saying that, that one of the primary responsibilities of a, of a boss, and a boss can be an owner and or a manager, is to create an environment in which people feel appreciated, an environment in which people feel that they have a career pathway if they choose to pursue one, an environment in which people feel that they can earn more money <clears throat> based on improved qualification, improved responsibility, in improved tasking, and so on. So you're creating a place that's exciting to work. You're creating a place where it, the, the individual can move themselves as far up Maslow's hierarchy of needs as they feel it's appropriate to for them. Yeah, I always I always think it's a very simple equation, and, and it and it's kind of linked to the word attract. You know, people talk about how do I attract the right people, 
And the answer to that is very simple. Make yourself more attractive. Great. <laughs> you know, in, in terms of all the things that you've talked about, didn't it? I think a lot of people in, the, uh, you know, perhaps a lot of practices in the past felt that actually just putting the job adverts in was enough. Yeah. But now it's not. And, you know, there's a really interesting thing as, uh, you, you know, you and I travel around and we visit dental practices, either in workshop environments or we go and work in practice. One of the things about working in practice is, is that if I'm invited in to do a team training session, it takes me 20 seconds when I walk into a team room to determine what the, it's almost like it's a vibration. Um, it, it's, it, you, know, you can tell the energy in the team or you can tell the absence of the energy in the team. It's like pheromones. Mm -hmm. And so the responsibility of the managers and the leaders is to create that energy. And it's a group of people. Listen, you know, work takes a lot of our lives. We, and we have to work very, very hard at it. And you know what? It's hard work to get up in the morning when the alarm goes off. And it's hard work to get the kids to school and walk the dog and make sure that the fridge is full and then go and then turn up at a workplace and do your thing for seven or eight hours and go back and pick up the responsibilities of domestic life again. It's hard and it's got to be worth it. And worth it means financially, but worth it means emotionally, it means spiritually, it means physically. It's got to be an holistic experience that people are going to, uh, even on a you know a rotten December dark freezing cold morning, they're going to pop the alarm off and they're going to get up and they're going to get do it again. Yeah, let's just talk about where you might look for new recruits coming into in, into the practice. And uh, is is that something that should always be done from within the industry, or do you think for certain roles it's about looking outside of dentistry? Whenever I get this question from clients, how, how do I recruit is the question. And, and the, the answer I'm going to give you applies to both clinical and non-clinical team members. It applies to both payroll and self-employed clinicians. And the answer is, and a lot of people are surprised by my first answer, is that your first port of call is your existing patient database. And the reason for that is because Professor Robin Dunbar has taught us that every human being in the planet is connected to another 150 other people. It's called Dunbar's number. Go and look it up on Google or Wikipedia. And therefore, across a patient database of a thousand, you are one degree of separation from 150,000 people. Across a patient database of 2,000, you're one degree of separation from 300,000 people. So the first thing you do is you contact your patients through an email newsletter and you say there are opportunities available in our practice and if there's any family, friends or colleagues that you know that you think would be interested in this opportunity, we'd love to meet with them. So that's step one. Step two, social media. I don't need to tell anybody listening to this about the power and the reach of social media. Social media can be a force for evil if, it, if it's used inappropriately. It can be a force for good if it's used appropriately. And so you use every conceivable social media channel to get the message out to say, we are hiring. Number three is your team to ask them through their family, friends and colleagues. Number four is every dental supplier, every dental rep 
whoever came to visit your practice. They're the worst gossips in the industry. And so they're the people that you need to be telling that there are positions available within your practice because they will tell you who's, dis who's disrupted and looking around and on the move. Your laboratory, you should be talking to. You should be talking to your practice plan regional sales manager and saying, is there anybody that you know that's out there that might be looking for a new role or a new position? And you'll you'll, what you'll realize is that I've gone all the way through that list and I have not mentioned print media and I have not mentioned recruitment advertising because recruitment advertising is dead and has been replaced by a thing called recruitment networking. And that's how you hire people nowadays. You do not put an advert in the local free press or the BDA journal or anywhere else. What you do is you network digitally and you network word of mouth, analog, face to face. I was going to ask you about print media, but I think you just fairly emphatically answered that question. <laughs> <laughs> it's a line of last resort, Les. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. And what about kind of what 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 dentists and practice managers are looking for in new recruits? Is you know perhaps outside of the the clinical roles, is it? Is it about potential? Is it about attitude as opposed to bringing a set of skills on the first day? So you, you'll never get an interview out of me without a book recommendation at some stage. So here <laughs> it comes. Um, the answer to every question that you needed answering in terms of selecting uh, team members is in a book. It is called The Ideal Team Player. It is written by a fellow called Patrick Lencioni. Uh, who is based, uh, as these people always are, in California. Uh, but nonetheless, it's a fantastic read. The, the ideal team player, Patrick Lencioni, and it describes the three characteristics of those ideal team players. Number one, hungry. Number two, humble. And number three, people smart. Hungry means that they're hungry to, to do more with their lives. Uh, humble um, I've got to be careful because I'm on a podcast, so I've got to, I won't say what I would normally say. Humble means that they are not egotistical in an inappropriate way. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> um, and people smart means that they can communicate. They've got great interpersonal relationships and they can, they can sit on the pavement outside Sainsbury's and talk to the guy that's selling the big issue with his dog. And they can then go to a reception at the House of Lords and they can speak to one of the, the, the gentry uh, around a charity that they're involved in. And they could do the same in the same day. They can just talk to anybody. So those communication skills, hungry, humble, people smart, ideal team player, Patrick Lencioni. When you've read that, read the other eight books he's written. <laughs> okay, good advice. Uh, last question, Chris. So returning to this, uh, recruitment retention cycle. Well done. Uh, and taking that metaphor forward, presumably then you're optimistic for the future. You, you, you feel as though, you know, that, that, you know, the tables are turning in the right direction and, you know, people looking to recruit should, should do some with some renewed optimism. Uh, what I'm going to say next is going to sound like a party political broadcast. You know, it's going to, it's going to sound like spin. Um, but but I, I want the listeners to understand that what I'm about to say to you is from my heart. And that is this. Uh, I have 
in 26 years in dentistry, I have never been more excited. I have never been more optimistic. I have never been more keen to not die so that I don't miss what's going to happen next in the independent private sector in UK dentistry. It's a fantastic time. The British Broadcasting Corporation are doing the best job of marketing independent private dentistry than any organisation has done in a quarter of a century. It's a fabulous opportunity to be building a practice, to be opening a private squat, to be taking fabulous quality private dentistry to the marketplace, a marketplace that's ready and willing to buy. And I see no change in that, come what may, whatever economic cycle we face next, whatever political cycle we face next, whatever weather cycle we face next, you can't avoid a very simple truth. And that is that the United Kingdom is full of people with teeth, gums and wallets. <laughs> and I could not be more excited about what's going to happen next. Chris, fantastic as usual. Thanks ever so much for, for sharing your uh, understated thoughts <laughs> with us. Uh, and long may you keep breathing uh, and staying alive. An Cheers. absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Cheers, Chris. Thank you.